Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Dan and Benny in the Ring. I'm Dan Spasciano, joined, as always, by the BS Express himself, Benny Scala. Benny, you uh, we were talking before the show. You said you got a shout-out to a couple of friends of the program. Yeah, um, actually, the International Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame uh, is having their, I believe, their convention this Saturday. Uh, if you're anywhere near Albany, which is, I know, kind of in the middle of nowhere, but if you happen to be in the area, it might be worth the drive. They're going to have the Rock and Roll Express, J.J. Dillon, Manny Fernandez, uh, Ken Jugan, uh, Lord Zoltan, uh, our good friend Davey O'Hannon, uh, Ronnie Garvin, Bill Apter, and Virgil and Sonny. And so... Uh, <laughs> It might be if, if if you're in a neighborhood that definitely a, 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 you know I think it's a, a good uh, good investment of your time. Sounds like fun and like uh like I said friends of the program so I wish hope the best and uh, that's one thing I know you and I talked about this before Re- uh, wrestling shows and wrestling conventions were what I missed almost more than anything when we were locked down over the last year and a half. So I mean this was a great week to be a wrestling fan. Absolutely. And uh, before we get too much into the main story, we, there was a lot of news that came out this week and or in the last week or so, I should say. Um, just like you said, a great time to be a wrestling fan. There were some shows announced, some upcoming events announced. And um, I guess AEW had had some something I, I wasn't. I, I the internet's not really been talking about it much. I guess they gave out some ice cream bars or something. That was about it. Yeah, right? something like that. Yeah, yeah. Some guy, with some guy on the uh, on the package. Uh, yeah, some some indie wrestler. I think that uh, yeah. that, that a couple people might know. Yeah, um, I heard he's a, I heard he's a real punk. <laughs> yeah, no, of course, uh, Betty. We we jest, but yes, yeah, CM Punk made his uh, worst kept secret in wrestling debut in Chicago for AEW. One of the loudest reactions I've seen in I. 10 years at least. Um, I mean, this was, I, he, it was a hometown crowd. Uh, they were chanting for him before he came out. The pop was insane. It drowned out the music. And anybody that's watched AEW, especially with uh, Jericho, music is not something they have a problem with volume. So that's just how loud that, that deafening that pop was. Uh, Punk challenged Darby Allen because they were setting that up. So that's a hell of a rub for him. And just uh, and then, of course, as we get into the, the talking about SummerSlam, I guess WWE had a few of uh, wanted to punch back with some of their own news. But also this weekend and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Benny, you had uh, other than the big AEW news, a couple of uh, pay-per-view events, shows. And uh, for anybody out there, we're not going to get into it too much. Uh, NXT, uh, Walter defended his UK title. And if anybody is a fan of wrestling or just at any point in your life has been a fan of wrestling, go watch that match. It's the best match. Uh, it's match of the year without question. It's what wrestling should have evolved into. You and I have talked before, Benny, about the, uh, you know, the flippy shit and the too many super kicks and the hundred DDTs in a match. And this this is what that match is what wrestling should have evolved into. Those are two guys that could have uh, dominated in the territory days. And it's just hard hitting. I mean, it, it was real. It, it looked real. It felt real. My chest hurts from some of those Walter chops. And it's just, it was just phenomenal. So anybody out there, I would say, watch that match. Walter Hahn is a mega star. No doubt about it. Yes. And if you want to, uh, to, uh, like you were talking about the videos out there the on YouTube for Punk's debut and his promo uh, on, on the AW side. And that's something, too, is oh, I've said it before 100 times. I know you've said it, Benny, the scripts, the idea of scripted promos. Uh, there's pictures floating around on the Internet of uh, various wrestlers, even Stephanie McMahon, where they hey, you'll see uh, zoom in digital photos. They've got something written on their forearm or whatever. Um, and the scripted, I mean, think you think about the difference, the scripts, how it hurts and ruins things. And Punk's promo was clearly not scripted. It was from the heart. And it it 
just felt you get you do not get that real connection. And I hate to use the word fake, but you don't get that real connection with wrestling if what you're listening to feels scripted. Um, I mean, I said before, Benny, that Roman Reigns, some of what he's been doing in the last few months has been the best work WWE's pumped out in a long time. And Roman Reigns admitted that he hasn't had a scripted moment since he's done this character. And this is the same guy that came out with the Suffer and Succotash promo and talking about the, the teeth whitening and all this crazy stuff. And it was stupid and it was silly and the fans hated it. And now every word that comes out of his mouth, I believe, that's coming from the character. And you just don't see that anymore. And Punk, in what amounted to 10 minutes between his his debut, his promo, and the the fallout from it into the next segment, just completely changed the game for, hey, look, real, real promos, real moments are, are what make shows. And that that segment is the most watched. And that episode had phenomenal ratings as far as as the standards go so yeah i mean they use the term suspension of disbelief and i mean that that with with punk for that when he's talking you you really do believe it's real yeah no absolutely it's the same thing we talked about it in the in the show building up to SummerSlam that the the promo battles between cena and reigns are just phenomenal because it's clearly two guys that are and you, you you get that connection where it feels real because it means something when it's coming from the heart, when it when it feels like it's the character. Um, I think a great example of that, the recent popularity of the documentary series on the, the WWE wrestlers had uh, the Stone Cold episode that he talked about his build up to the 316 promo where he basically pulled that out of his ass in relation to Jake Roberts with the, the Bible quotes. And I think it, it's funny. It touched me because triple H and everybody knows the story about the curtain call and triple H was supposed to win the King or the King of the ring that year. And triple H is telling the story where he's, he says he sees the promo and he hears it. And he's like the whole time I'm thinking, damn, that should be me. But I'm also thinking, damn, I would never have cut that promo. And this guy just made himself right. a megastar. You know, the the old at joke about game recognizing game, no pun intended for Triple H there. But if that if, if Austin had gone out and cut a scripted Suffer and Succotash promo after winning King of the Ring, the Stone Cold character is not the same. And old school wrestling was about getting yourself over. And that's what that's what Punk's doing now. Exactly. And not to mention the the Austin 316 shirt is the number one selling product WWE's ever had. Now, granted, some of that is skewed by John Cena having something like 30 shirts and the New Day and some of these other big sellers having multiple shirts, whereas the 316 with the you know NWO logo and things like that, where this you can only sell the one shirt for 10 years. But yeah, you, you have these moments and uh, even uh, on the other side, uh, I don't want to say smaller because I'm still fans, but like the NWA has their big events coming up. Yeah. Uh, the, the pay-per-views match they have, and of course their numbers on Fight TV have been pretty good. Our friends from Devotion also on Fight TV, but NWA 73 having some classic, you know, uh, Nick Aldis, Trevor Murdoch, some of the, you know, you're going to get some, some classic uh, old school style there. To me, wrestling, good wrestling is like pizza. There's never too much. Exactly. And I know people are going to get mad and people are going to still complain because wrestling fans are really good at that. But the last couple weeks have been a great time to be a wrestling fan. And even some of the complaints that I, I might have that I'll, I'll mention at least one or two of them as we talk about these uh, are how we did on our SummerSlam predictions. There's still just so much out there to love. And like you said, if you know, good, good, you never have too much good wrestling, especially after the, very dark times we've come out of. Well, you know, there's just one thing that really bothers me, though, and I want to go back to my own personal experience. So I started watching WWF in the late 60s. In the early 70s, you know, on, on the UH, UHF station from New Jersey, all of a sudden, 
I, I think it was like 71 or 72. I got to watch uh, the NWA Hollywood Hollywood wrestling from the uh, the Olympics. And now I got to see Jabba Rook, a.k.a. Johnny Rods, uh, Black Gordon, John Tolos, who is one of Evan Ginsburg's favorite wrestlers. And then a few years later, we got cable. And so now I got uh, championship wrestling from Florida and, and Georgia championship wrestling. I, you know, I, I never thought, well, I have to choose one or the other. I just, I mean, to me, it was like, bring it on. Now I have four different shows. And I mean, I just watch people kill each other on Facebook that you have to choose some kind of side. Like you, you have to like AEW or you have to like WWE. You can't, why can't you like them both? I guess that's my, my concern. If you're a fan of wrestling, why can't you like them both? Exactly. And I told the story growing up in, in Maryland at the time that we had both the local channel for D.C. and the local channel for Baltimore both came in for our cable. So we had WWF on one channel and your NWA and and Crockett and all on the other. And then ESPN was playing the AWA matches. Yeah, we got that in the mid-80s in, yeah, in New York. It, Same exa- thing, exactly. Yeah. And so, I mean, I whenever it was on, 1030 Saturday morning, uh, eventually, obviously, be- what would become Monday nights, you know, I watched wrestling as much as I could. And I didn't have that, oh, I'm a, I'm a territory guy. I'm a WWF guy. Now, granted, the styles were clearly different. I mean, watching... You know, WWF having, I don't know, one man gang against Bugsy McGraw. Exactly. Exactly. Some some crazy characters. And then the NWA side, you had Flair against Steamboat or or, somebody like that, where it's like, okay, you could see the matches versus the, the, the entertainment, but it was still fun. And then obviously AWA with Ganya and Bockwinkle. But you I never got even as a. As it evolved into what would become the Monday Night Wars, I never got that mentality of I'm only going to watch one show and the other show can 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 fail because we saw what happened to the you know, there was a grace period with an influx of new talent and some of the younger guys that were still building the where you had a decent product. But when WCW went away and competition was gone. The, the product became stagnant because you had nobody to appease except the shareholders. There was right. no there was no incentive to gain or keep fans. And that's why I keep saying, even though I'm not the biggest fan of some of their style, I watch AEW. I hope for nothing but success from AEW because the better and bigger they get, the more somebody on the other side of the water is going to have to sit there and say, Hey, wait a minute. We need to figure out why our ratings are the lowest they've ever been and fix it. Because I guarantee see, you know, when you see 1.3 million on a Friday night on TNT, USA network's going to ask why their better, bigger time slot has the same numbers on a Monday. Right. Yeah, I mean, and you know, it, it, some nights you want steak, some nights you want pork chops, some nights you want you you want lobster bisque. I mean, they're not all the same. I, I think that's a good thing though, because you have that variety to choose from. Yeah, and you know, I, I'll 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 take the silliness uh, sometimes because sometimes it just works. You know, you you say you want steak, you want chicken. I'm. Let's be honest. Sometimes you're just tired and you eat a bowl of cereal for breakfast or a bowl of cereal for dinner. I mean, and you're good to go. But, (laughs) but yeah, it's, it's good stuff. But Benny, we, uh, you and I talked about it. Uh, it was a rare Saturday event because of uh, the football schedule and the Sunday NXT shows, but we, we both did decent. We talked about it with our predictions and let's look at the, uh, SummerSlam, the biggest show. Now, the numbers did come out. They've said that that was the most watched and the highest grossing SummerSlam ever. So it was the biggest, biggest, most profitable SummerSlam, um, which, again, drives the point that you know, even, even if you didn't think it was as good as it could have been, you still still brought out the fans, still brought out the numbers, over 50,000 in Oakland, or God, I'm still thinking the old Raiders in Raiders, Las Vegas, yeah. right? In Las Javier, Vegas, Javier will correct you on that one for sure, right? Yeah, well, 
No, I, I was just about to say the Raiders. They were in Las Vegas. Sorry. Uh, but it was it was a hell of a show. Now, you said you did watch the pre-show. I did, yes. Okay, yeah. So, the, obviously, the pre-show, get Big E and Corbin, kickoff match. Um, you, one of your what-if scenarios was tied to Baron Corbin keeping the briefcase and probably winning this match, which he didn't. But what were your thoughts on it, Benny? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a bad match. I would just, I thought, you know, I was very nervous with my predictions going into that. I thought, like, I might be eating some major humble pie or crow on Tuesday night. And when when this match happened and Corbin lost, I thought th- it's really going to be a long night. And uh, I love, but I absolutely, I, I love, I didn't like King Corbin, but I love bum Corbin. You know, he came out with that white shirt. It looked like he'd been dumpster diving, and uh, it was a good match. But I, I, I was so sure that you know he's going to win that match. He's going to keep the briefcase, and it, it was going to come into play later on. But it, it was, it wasn't to be, unfortunately. Oh, and I'll, I'll tell you, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, I think Hobo Baron Corbin is just a. Fin- I mean, everything he does is entertaining, and Baron Corbin has one hundred percent thrown himself into. He this is character. leaned into this big time. This, if, he, I, he is that character. If you follow social media at all. Baron Corbin is also keeping kayfabe. There's pictures and videos of him because they were in Las Vegas of being in the casino looking disheveled, you know, trying to trying to win every coin he could off a slot machine and being he was he stayed in character the entire weekend they were in Vegas, which I thought was great. But yeah, I love I love Hobo Corbin and I can't wait to see where they go from here with it. But then the uh, fireworks spectacular. The show started. And it, the opening match was the Raw Tag Team Championships, AJ Styles and Omos defending against the RK Bros. Uh, this was this was the only match of the night that we both got wrong in that you and I both said that we didn't think they would take the titles off AJ and Omos because we both said the uh, we thought the RK Bros were too new of a team and really didn't need the titles to play that mechanic. And in this one, honestly... Especially after seeing Raw, I'm glad that I was wrong because this match was very entertaining. Uh, it had a good, it told a good story with uh, having a new, you know, Orton being the smarter one, trying to neutralize Omos, whereas Riddle was just literally throwing himself into the fire. Uh, obviously, the RK Bros won with you know uh, great chemistry between AJ and Orton, and I liked the after effect. When the match was over, when they were posing, when Orton put the belt over Riddle's shoulder, just a small gesture, you know, something you, I mean, Randy Orton's been around the business long enough. You, you learn the little quirks of storytelling, but I thought it was great and I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was, it was a really good way to open the show because I think it got the crowd hopping and it was just good stuff. What do you think, Benny? Um, again, like now, now I'm 0 and 1. So I, I lost the pre show, which really didn't count, but I mean, you know, the the reason that uh, I wanted Corbin to win was because it was going to come into play later. So that was out. And now my I'm I'm 0 and 1. I'm getting real. I'm starting to sweat bullets here. But I mean, I agree with you. It was a great match. Uh, there was a, a, a spot where almost used Riddle as a lawn dart. And it <laughs> It reminded me back in the day with Kevin Nash and Rey Mysterio when I think uh, Kevin threw him into the side of a, a mobile home or something like that on one of the you know episodes in Nitro. But that was a great match. Uh, you knew that in order for RK Bro to win, that somehow Omos had to get neutralized, mm-hmm. which which he did. And uh, yeah, with the uh, Brandy wins with the RKO, I gave this three stars. I mean, I probably could have given it three and a half stars. I I think Omos, you know, I think he's still green. But I, he looks more and more comfortable, and I, I, I'm assuming now that they lost the uh, the tag team championships that maybe he's going to go single. I mean, I think you can get more time out of this. You got to have the, uh, you know, it's the WWE storytelling. They'll lose the titles. They might get a rematch or two and not gain them back. And during the failed attempts at gaining the titles back is when I think they lose. They lose that cohesion. And I certainly hope just because AJ Styles does such a good job as a heel, I certainly hope when they do do the split, they do the Michaels Nash or D excuse me, Michaels diesel split where Omos is the face. Cause I, I I don't think the feud works if it's heel Omos beating face AJ Styles. Right. I agree with you. 
Well, I said, Benny, that the crowd was hot for the match. That the, the energy in the crowd disappeared almost immediately with this next next match where uh, Eva Marie wrestled Alexa Bliss. Now, wrestled being uh, a loose term for right. the way Eva Marie was in the ring. And it's a shame. Because before she left the first time, there were stories coming out that she was working with Brian Kendrick and apparently even some backstage reports from the Performance Center that she had improved greatly and was like actually trying to build up some kind of in-ring persona. And I mean, I didn't see any of that there. It was very obvious. She, she looked out of place. She looked sloppy. There were moments where she just kind of stood there and just waited for Alexa Bliss to clearly dictate the next next move and the next step like i'm just going to kind of stand here looking dumbfounded until my next spot because i don't remember how the match was supposed to go um i it was silly i mean they had the the moment where i guess even marie is immune to lily's magic powers so uh i i don't know this this whole thing was was crummy to me uh the other problem i had was they they built up such a good narrative with Dewdrop turning on Eva Marie eventually, the way they did with like Becky Lynch and Charlotte in NXT, or The Miz and Miz Dow. And you, you had moments where it's like they could have done this so well. She loses to somebody else, and then Dewdrop just laughs at her and steals her robe. Like, is that is that the big face turn? You know, I it, it just felt weak. They they I don't know what this match was supposed to be this didn't feel at any moment like something that had to be on a pay-per-view so maybe it's in somebody's contract and of course you know my opinion of the whole lily angle with alexa bliss but that right. this was crap and yeah the so, sooner the, the sooner they move on the better i was i gave this i was very generous and gave this one star and i mean that was that was a push and I, my, my note here is Eva Marie defies the law of physics because she both blows and sucks at the same time. Um, my other note, and this is a Dan and Benny exclusive, so listen, listen up, guys. Dewdrop is not the love child of Uncle Elmer and Awesome Kong. You heard it first here. So, you know, <laughs> that's breaking news. I wish we had one of those news things, you know, the news ticker things. Right. Um, I, Alexa, I, I, my note here, she's five foot nothing, a hundred nothing. But she's a huge star. I mean, she's very charismatic. It was it was a terrible match. She won with the DDT. Um, the, like you said, Eva Marie, she looked kind of confused out there. Like, you know, what do I do? There was no there was no cohesion whatsoever. And like you said, that the the, the face turned by Dewdrop, it was nothing. It was so like anticlimactic. There was no really, you know, you you, you needed to build that a little bit more before you did that before you pulled the trigger on that one. Yeah. And, and it's a shame because uh, Piper Niven, well, who was Piper Niven before she got branded as Dewdrop, has that persona where she could really pull off the the kind of plucky baby face fighting against the, for lack of a better description, the kind of snooty bitch heel that Eva Marie is. Right. But I I don't know. Now, obviously, um, they, they continued this storyline and... Next week on Raw, they'll have their their match between the two of them. So hopefully, uh, hopefully that ends that, and we can yeah. move on. Uh, but from from bad to much much better, one of the matches that I truly enjoyed on the evening. The next match was the United States Championship between Sheamus defending the title against Damian Priest. Now I loved. Damian Priest's new look with the blue highlights and and that that attire he had. I, I like his look. He's a million bucks. Uh, what did you think of this match, Benny? I you know I gave it uh, three and a half stars. Uh, my note here is Sheamus looked like a million bucks in losing. He was I thought he was great. I, I I think he's like wrestling better than he ever has in his career. They made a big point to to, to play up the Sheamus as a bully angle. Um, I like the move, the spot when he did the old school off the ropes that he walked. Sheamus walked the top rope, which dove down, snapped uh, Damien Priest's neck on the top rope, and then he climbed the top rope. And he, Damien Priest did the best rubber legs I've ever seen in my life. But uh, and then also there was a, a spot where Damien jumped off the second rope, run ran right into a flying bro kick. 
So some really, really good spots. I mean, it was a fluid match. They worked well together. I like Damian Priest. I'm with you. I mean, the guy's a future champion. He just, I mean, he's an older guy. I mean, he's not a kid. I think he's, what, in his late 30s, maybe? Um, I, I believe so. I think he's like 37, 38. He's not, he's not a young guy. But, I mean, he still, he looks very young. But he's got that championship. Good call. He's 38. Okay. Good guess. Um, and But he's got that championship quality about him. I could see him at, at some point being a world champion. You know, the, the, this, this is a good, I mean, it's a good stop for him to get the United States title. Yeah, and I mean, in in the modern era of wrestling, forty is the new thirty. Anyway, at thirty eight, you could probably still get. I would be shocked if if he doesn't have ten years of full time schedule. Oh, absolutely. You know, I well, mean, yeah, you, great match, great match. You look at someone like like AJ Styles is forty four, and he's can still wrestle and jump circles around other guys. So, I mean, right there, Damian Priest wrestles until he's in his mid-40s. You still get six or seven years out of him. Right. Um, and so, yeah, I, I see. I definitely see a world title win in there. Uh, I think he wins the Rumble within the next couple years and just continues to move up the card. He looks great. His style, and he's got that good style where it can mesh so well with a lot of people. Like, he's, some, some guys just, they can be good, but they have styles that don't quite click. You know, um, I I like it. Now, I will say one thing that I truly enjoyed about this match is Sheamus is phenomenal at playing to the crowd as a heel. And I love that bit where he set Damian Priest up for the, the 10 beats of the Bowerin and he hit him, what, three or four times. And then he stopped and he's like, no, 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 because the crowd started cranking out one, two. They started counting along and he just stopped and he's like, no, I'm not giving you the satisfaction of enjoying this moment. And he pulled him back in the ring and beat him up. I, I, I think a lot of the, you know, a lot of the credit for Damian Priest looking good, though, has to go to Sheamus. I just really thought he, he wrestled a great match. Absolutely. And like you said, he looked he looked great in defeat. Um <clears throat> I don't know if he just felt clumsy or it's just because he's terrible, but I did make a note about wishing that they had paired uh, a different SmackDown announced team. I absolutely love Pat McAfee, but I, Michael Cole is terrible. And there were a couple of flubs here around here. I made a side note because Pat McAfee was so into this, into the fighting on the SmackDown side. Um, I, I, the reason I ask is because the reason I bring that up during the raw match is because it, my, my Michael Cole note bled into my notes for this one. That's oh. why I brought that up. But, but yeah, cause I, you know, I was, I was writing the notes bled together, but before we move on, I just want to say that, uh, that, that I'm glad, I'm glad he didn't call this match cause he probably would have ruined it. Yeah. But moving on, um, to another match, uh, speaking of SmackDown announcers, uh, another match that, that I thought was, was fun, um, was the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the Usos, defending against the Mysterios. Now, you and I both uh, got this one right. We, we both predicted the Usos to keep it, both for the build with the family and just because the storylines with Dominic and Ray kind of bumping off each other uh, doesn't feel like the right moment. I mean, this was this match was just pretty straightforward. I didn't, I didn't feel like it built to anything in the story of... Uh, of Dominic and Ray splitting or Dominic taking too many risks. I mean, they had the moment where he got, he was trying to go for that, that, that uh, move on the apron and ended up getting suplexed himself. And that kind of took him out of the match. And then Ray got beat up with the double kicks. Uh, I noticed the Usos stealing, stealing the uh, Gargano and Champa finisher now with the, with the double kicks and the splash to the back. So but uh, I, it served its purpose. Um, I think they're done. I don't see. I mean, obviously the USO or the Mysterios don't have a claim to be to go back for the title anymore. Um, so it was just. I mean, it was good. It, I not the best match I've seen from either team. But B, uh, you like you said, three three and a half stars. It was very good. Um, the clear, and it's a shame because the Usos work so well together and Rey Mysterio can still go, the the by a mile and a half weak link of this match was Dominic. And he's 
as as they expand his role, he starts to look more out of place. And that's a shame because he when they were when they were giving him more of the like you said with Omos, when they were giving him more of the smaller role in the matches and let Ray carry the work, it didn't look as obvious. But seeing him have to build the heat and then Ray get the hot tag and then having to do the moments outside, he's by no means bad. Uh, but he certainly I'm sure five years from now, we'll look back on these matches and be like, damn, remember when, you know, Dominic Lee used to wrestle like that? Yeah, I, I, my, my note is my very first note is Dominic looks awkward. Um, you know, and, and now you got three of the best workers. The Usos are such a great tag team. Rey Mysterio is, I mean, he's Rey Mysterio. And Dominic was the one, you know, like you said, he was the weak link. You know, hopefully he gets better. Um, I don't know. I guess time will tell. Now, the, Michael Cole did have the line of the night when he said, Dominic looking to beat Jay off. I had to write that down. Just, you know, if, and if I actually played it back to listen like, to it. Like I said, my, my notes bled together, but uh, Michael Cole is terrible. And just before it. But, but he did deliver that line. I'll give him that. I, no, no, that was awful. And that's not what he, that's not what he meant. <laughs> But no, this was it was good, and, and the crowd the crowd was definitely into Ray's comeback, which is you know shows that even you know like like we talked about with AJ Styles, even in, in, in well into his forties, Ray can still bring it. But speaking of crowd reactions, Benny, the next match definitely you could you could feel the lull, and, and you. Sometimes we've talked about it before on the show. They have that moment where you can tell the crowd goes from wait a minute to hang on. And I think uh, before we get to it, one of the best examples, if you remember during the invasion angle, when they first merged WCW and WWE after the purchase, the Undertaker was being stalked. It was his wife specifically, Sarah. And it, this stalker comes out. He's going to reveal himself. He pulls the hood off, and it's DDP. DDP, yep. And you can hear the crowd, and it is this momentary of whole. Oh, what? Wait, what? And you can hear the cheer kind of slowly fade into a. Wait a minute. That this doesn't make any sense. Why is the biggest baby face of the last ten years a a, a, a a pervert stalker? Right. It made no sense. And and yeah, you can hear that moment. And this match, match being a relative term. Um, came from it. Of course, the, the next match was supposed to be the SmackDown Women's Championship, Bianca Belair defending against Sasha Banks. Well, they announced at the beginning of the show that Sasha Banks was not cleared to compete, so Carmella comes out as the replacement. Uh, Bian uh, Bianca, I, I give her credit for uh, selling with her face. She clearly is bummed and almost annoyed, like, geez, I gotta beat, because she, I mean, she, she beat Carmella in, what, two minutes? on SmackDown after beating Zelina Vega. So she kind of was like, I really got to deal with this chump again. Um, but then the, the O sounds and the music and Becky Lynch makes her long awaited return uh, sooner than the rumors were. Apparently the, the rumors were sometime in the fall, September, October, she comes back in August comes, comes in, uh, makes quick work of Carmella beats her up, throws her out of the ring, throws her into steps, clears her out. And challenges Bianca Belair to a title match, which we I, I love the fact that that wrestlers can just make their own. The referee can just yeah, that match sounds good. Title match now. No authority figure, no manager, nobody running the show. Just two wrestlers. We're gonna have a match. The ref goes eh, okay, for for the title now. But beside the point, Becky goes in for the handshake, psych forearm slam one two three. Whole match was tw I, I timed it as 28 seconds from from start to finish the, this segment, and the crowd, of course, absolutely went ballistic for Becky Lynch's return. They went ballistic for her title match, and one, two, three. You could hear the shift in the crowd where they were still ecstatic that Becky had won the title, but it was kind of a eh, yeah, I mean, yay, kind of like. Is Becky a heel now? What's what did I miss? And it I, I, don't be wrong. She's still over, and a lot you could definitely hear some of the crowd loved it. But it felt it really felt like it sucked some of the energy out of the night. And 
it's a damn shame. I I don't know where they go from here. I guess Becky Lynch is a heel now. Uh, Bianca Belair, the dominant, one of the most dominant book champions in in a long time, as far as as not losing matches on TV, and uh, like for example, the way Nikki Ash or Nikki Ash lost every match she was in after winning the title. Um, almost every match I should say, but this, I, I don't know what to think of this, Benny. You, you just built up over the last year, this, this dominant woman, she wins the rumble. She eliminating Rhea Ripley, which was a huge moment. She beats Sasha Banks in one of the better matches at mania weekend, which was the main event does the hair whip moment, which my stomach still hurts thinking about that. And then you, you chump her out to Becky Lynch in less than 30 seconds. I don't want to say buried. I'm sure she can recover from this, but I don't know where you go from here. Does she get to use the excuse? Oh, I wasn't ready to, uh, to wrestle Becky Lynch. I, I was plan. I planned for Sasha Banks does does the cheap shot negate the fact that I've seen her kick out of multiple finishes and she couldn't kick out of one slam after getting punched in the face? Like that's the only move she took the entire match. And I, I don't know where they go from here. It, it's it kind of sad. I I just wrote that I wrote huh with a question mark. Yeah, this was I, I have mark out number one. This was when when she when Becky came out. That was my first mark out moment. Uh, very glad to see her. But my two big notes, and I think we kind of both said the same thing. You know, is the referee now the booker? Because you know, the, there's no where, where's the management, where's the authority? Uh, you know, they, they look at each other and they look at the referee, and now all of a sudden there's a new world title match. And the, the second point I have, same thing is, you know, but Bianca did. I thought she did a great job as champion. She, you know, she carried herself well. She, you know, she she did very well with her matches. Why do you give her? Was it you said twenty eight seconds? That's what I timed it. Uh, you know, I would have like if they brought Becky out and they did a three way, and Becky somehow Becky won by you know pinning Carmella. I could have lived with that. And I mean that would to me that would that would have went down a lot better than than the way it went down. And I'll be honest with you, even if it had been a quick triple threat, if Becky comes out and let's say they make it a triple threat and be uh, Bianca Belair gets knocked out of the ring and Becky Lynch just just dominates Carmella one two three, right, even exactly. if, if that match had only been thirty to forty five seconds. Then you still have Bianca saying, you stole my title. You still make Carmella look like a chump, which she did this match anyway. Right. And Becky still gets the title without you you pinning in less than 30 seconds one of the best book champions you've had in a while. Because WWE loves to have their champions lose on TV and look weak. And Bianca Belair has looked great. They, so, they just did her wrong. I, I, I don't think, there's, to me, there's no way around it. Yeah, and and I don't I don't get the narrative here of the cheap shot because Becky Lynch is one of the biggest stars you've had in a long time, organically grown. She she turned heel on Charlotte and she was supposed to be the villain and the crowd absolutely loved it and refused to boo her because the crowd was and we'll we'll talk about it in a little bit here. The crowd was not very uh very much Charlotte pro Charlotte they love Becky and then the Smackdown invasion where Nia Jax busts her face open and that picture of her on the stairs with the bloody face and she just organically became so over just to bring her back after over a year gone we we have not seen her in the ring since she announced she was pregnant and that that the money in the bank match had actually been for the title and she handed the belt over to Asuka and I, I just I, I don't get why you would bring her back. And if it looks like what they're doing is to turn her heel, it just doesn't make any sense. No, none whatsoever. But moving on to uh, another mo- uh, fun moment, crowd was eh, 
they were, I guess maybe they were still recovering, but but you had some some over people. You had uh, Drew McIntyre against Jinder Mahal. This match was pretty quick for what it was. Um, obviously, they had the mat, the stipulation match on Raw where Drew McIntyre, Veer, and Shanky weren't allowed at ringside, but Drew McIntyre was still allowed to bring his magic sword. And uh, he comes out, tries to hit the quick Claymore. Mahal rolls out of the ring. Mahal gets a, a for lack of a better term, a hope spot. I don't even want to call it that because it's, you know, kind of a glorified squash. But he, he came in and looked pretty dominant for a, for a few moments. Drew fought back. Handful of belly-to-belly suplexes. Claymore, one, two, three. Veer and Shanky come out. Drew McIntyre tries to murder them, but but literally by swinging the sword. Um, I love the the call where he said that uh, Shanky was was a, was a, no, what do you say, a nose hairs away from being five foot. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, it was a quick match. Really, um, I get the build, and I'm glad that they had to do something to make McIntyre look strong again. But uh, this is another, this, this another one that kind of had the pre-show feel. C, really not, not much to it. Drew McIntyre came out. Um, I don't think Jinder Mahal walks away looking any worse. Getting a little bit of offense in and then getting your head claymored off by a move that's supposed to be able to finish anybody. I don't think he he doesn't Mahal doesn't come out of this looking like a jobber, so I think it matched did its job. Yeah, I mean, I, my note was surprising squash match. It didn't it didn't last as long, and maybe they had to make it short for whatever reason. Maybe to give other because uh, a couple of these matches were uh, pretty lengthy, so maybe they needed to make this one short for that reason. But yeah, um, it, Drew looked good. You know, Veer and Shanky almost became Shorty and Shorty, and with it. If that sort of connected, but it was it was all right for what you, and like you said, it brought you know Drew needed a win and maybe yeah. pushed him back up to you know up to the ladder a little bit there. Yeah, Veer, Veer and Shanky almost became Veer and Lanky, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I get it. Uh, you you talk about trimming time. This show was still over four hours, so I don't know if that was if they were overly successful in that. Yeah, it was a, it was a long night for sure. But uh. You, you and I talked about this match. Uh, we were messaging, and I'm, I made very clear my dis, displeasure with the finale. The next matchup is the Triple Threat Raw Women's Championship. Now, on our prediction show, we we talked a bit about how Triple Threats tend to suck nowadays because they they they're just spot matches with somebody gets knocked out of the ring. You know, something as simple as a as a body slam or a suplex and they'll roll out of the ring for two or three minutes while the other two competitors do their thing until it's hurt until it's the third person's turn to get back in the ring and do their spot. I made a note and I don't know if you caught this or not during this match, there were moments where it was obvious people were waiting. I don't know if the camera didn't pan properly, but you see uh, hands on the apron. You see somebody kind of, Doing that, like I said before, kind of looking like Kilroy, where you see the eyes over the apron, like they're clearly not hurt anymore. They're just waiting for their moment. Um, But with that said, this was one of the better, as far as all three being involved in a lot of the moments, triple threats I've seen in in a good while. Uh, I mean, you've got Rhea and uh, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte are two of your best female competitors. Nikki Craw, or excuse me, Nikki Ash, uh, is amazingly talented for what she is. Um, but I, I, I can't get over the ending. I, I get maybe what you're doing. I don't know the long term plan. But they put the they they had Nikki Nikki Ash win the the briefcase. Then they then they had her cash in. She wins the title. She lost to. Uh, she lost uh, singles matches. She lost the. She was the loser in the go home raw tag match uh, against people that weren't even. She's not even in this in this match. They made. She looked terribly weak as champion. She was cutting the promos of. Oh, I almost won. If you if you try real hard, you can almost be good too. You're the champion. You're not supposed to almost do things. I get almost a superhero, but the Nikki Nikki was booked a very very weak champion. And in the end of this match, Charlotte, uh, 
which I'll get into, uh, we can talk about some of the moves because there were some moments in this match I thought were just phenomenally well put together. Um, Charlotte locking the figure eight in and then Nikki jumping on both of them. Uh, Rhea Ripley doing the modified clover leaf on both competitors. It just, just showed how leaps and bounds better than some of the other women she is. And just how I mean, Rhea looks like a million dollars every time she steps in the ring. But she gets knocked out of the ring and Charlotte locks the figure eight on Nikki and Nikki taps out. So for the, what is this? 117th time. I think it is now Charlotte flares is women's champion. Um, I guess if John Cena can't break Ric Flair's title, somebody has to get close to 17. I just, I, I, I won't let it affect the score of the match, but this ending was terrible in that two things. One, you have a triple threat that you're going to pull the title off the champion and the champion's the one that taps out. Nikki, Nikki A.S.H.'s title reign was trash. She was booked to look weak and silly. Now, that's not a knock on her as a performer. She gave 110% to, to this character, which apparently she had a lot of hands in designing. But I, I was thinking, okay, and you and I talked about this. Okay, Charlotte wins the belt. You, you put it back on her so Rhea can get her clear win over Charlotte to win the title back. But on Raw, we're recording this on a Tuesday. Raw was last night. It They laid the seeds for Alexa Bliss to challenge Charlotte. So, and Alexa Bliss comes out with her doll. She said she's just there to say hi. But, uh, yeah, there was that moment. And then... Rhea and Nikki A.S.H. teamed up in tag in, in tag action. So right now it looks like neither of those two are are going to get near the main event. And Charlotte's first feud is probably going to be against Alexa Bliss. I just I don't get it. I mean, Charlotte is long past the point of needing a title. She, I I even think she's past the point of needing to be champion that someone beats now she has to be the one to drop the belt to Rhea to make it fair because she's beat she's taken the title off Rhea twice she took the title off Oscar twice she's very protected but you could hear the reaction the crowd was in this man I mean they booed the living bejeebs out of Nikki uh they were not thrilled with Charlotte's performance um I know Charlotte's taken a bit of a beating from fans recently Rhea was over they were not happy with this ending. I uh, just, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, am I wrong on this one? No, not at all. And, you know, uh, I like Corey Graves saying, almost not quite good enough for Nikki Ash. Unless he meant, maybe he meant almost. I don't know. I wasn't quite sure. But, I mean, you know, good for Nikki. She got a title run, which, I mean, even though, like you said, though, it was an absolute crap title run. Uh, and the only reason why I was okay with Charlotte winning this match was that, that would make you know that would make Rhea chaser for the title, and you have to get Rhea has to get that that signature win over over Charlotte to to you know really really boost her up there. And if they're bringing Alexa Bliss into the picture now, I don't that's a disconnect. I think they need to you know stay on this momentum. And and you know they, they Charlotte and and Rhea have a genuine rivalry. Like why do you want to interrupt it? I I don't understand that. You you. And Alexa doesn't need a title. She doesn't need to be in the title picture. To me, she's more of an, uh, an attraction anyway. I don't really look at her as a, as a contender for a title. But my, my thing, and to expound on what you were saying, is the, the way the match ended was that, and I'm, hopefully I got this right, but Nikki uh, DDTs Rhea, and Rhea then like just rolls out of the ring. Uh, and then... I, I, I timed it from the time she got DDT and rolled out of the ring. 48 seconds later is when she tapped when when Nikki tapped out to Charlotte. Now, I mean, were you were you knocked unconscious that you I mean, that that's like you said, you know, yep. you're taking a DDT, which I mean, they, they survived and worse moves in that match. If if I may, this goes to that moment I was talking about where it's obviously bogus Right. Because in this moment, when Nikki gets locked in the figure eight, the hard camera didn't catch it. But when it panned to one of the side cameras, you can see Rhea's hand on the apron. She's either on one knee or crouched, but she is up 
and not really, I mean, she's obviously not standing, but she's by no means laid out. She is literally sitting there kind of half watching, half not, like just waiting for the moment. And Nikki taps, just Rhea kind of does the last second lunge of, oh, damn it. Not didn't even get that. No, it was obvious Rhea was just rolled out of the ring and let you two finish. And it was a shame because it it again, uh, other than hating how they how they chose to end this, um, I just it like like you're like we said in the in the predictions, the triple threats tend to be a little overly scripted nowadays. I mean, the, the spots in the match, a lot of them were very good. It's just I didn't like the booking, and I I definitely didn't like the ending. Yeah. Now, um, I'm going to give you this next one since, you, you know, we both agreed it was match of the night and you were you, I know you marked out over it. The The next match was Edge and Seth Rollins. But uh, what were you uh, what were you so hyped for on this one? Ben? I I had three mark out moments. The first was Becky Lynch. The second one was when Edge came out to his brood music. <laughs> I was expecting Gangrel to be in back of him, <laughs> but I, I can't say enough about this match. This this to me, like. You know, there was like ebb and flow of this pay-per-view. You had some really low moments. You had, you know, some pretty good ones. But like this, this got the crowd back up. And, and you know, and, and when when Edge's uh, brood music turned into his other theme song, they really, they just went crazy. Oh, yeah. And, um, but just one of the spots I have noted here is uh, Rollins countered a spear with a pedigree, which I thought was an incredible move. Now, yeah, my, my note on Seth Rollins is he dresses in 1973 upholstery and his voice makes chalk on the blackboard sound like Mozart. But man, oh man, can that guy go? And this match lasted actually 21 minutes and 14 seconds, which is, a, I mean, it, and they used the 21 minutes very well. They did. And I, I'll say, Benny, that spot with the, I made a note about it when he, when he reversed the spear into the pedigree. I haven't seen him do that since his match with Roman Reigns. I don't know. Was that four or five years ago? Right. I, it was just. It was a great setup, and the, it clearly shows that these two have chemistry because that is a spot that could have been botched very easily, and it looked so seamless. But they did a good job of building this. You know, the seven years in the making of this match, and I mean, Edge threw everything at him. The education, the spirit, even used the glam slam on on uh, Seth. You know, the the educator, the crossfakes. You know. Seth survived everything. I just, I, I just really love this match. This, this, this match did it for me. Absolutely. And I, I just a uh, quick word on the ending when edge had him in the, in the hold and Rollins kind of worked his way out and then edge just slammed his head a few times into the ring before he put the crossface sleeper back on. It, it was a kind of a viciousness, but it also made sense. It was very, Ric Flair working the knee. It was uh, people working the shoulder or the arm. Uh, the way Pete Dunne works the fingers. Like, look, I'm about to choke you out or I'm about to put a move that, that hurts your head. Why wouldn't I slam your head into the ground before I do it? Because now I know it's going to hurt. It was vicious and it told a good story. But this match, A-plus, match of the night, no question. Absolutely. And, you know, speaking of working a body part, Seth did a really good job of working on the neck. And they mentioned that throughout the match. Exactly. Which I, I mean, just, and, and it told a great story and the build to this match has been phenomenal leading up to, uh, to the pay-per-view, but from match of the night to uh, botch of the night, the next match was Bobby Lashley defending his title against Goldberg. Ugh. I'm not, I don't want to spend too much time on this match. I'm pretty sure if we, if we talked our honest opinion, we'd probably talk longer than this match lasted. Um, I mean, it was, a Haas fight, two big tough guys. The the spots where Lashley couldn't knock Goldberg over. I see what they were doing there. Um, Goldberg going for the spear. MVP rolls him out. Goldberg spears Lashley anyway on the outside. Um, there was a spot in this match where MVP climbed to the top rope. I, I made the note it was botch of the night for me. And Goldberg tries to throw him off the top but doesn't. He doesn't turn him or get enough lift, and Lashley came so close to landing on his head. I mean, uh, in the NXT show, 
there was a spot Adam Cole took where he landed square on his head, but Lashley turned enough, but took the whole fall on his shoulder. And you, you can tell I've, I've been in situations where I've hurt my shoulder before my, you know, it's especially a big guy like Lashley coming down from that height. That's how you, you strain a rotator cuff and some other, but it was, it was a sloppy spot. Goldberg could have seriously hurt him. And then of course the, the ending where MVP hits Goldberg in the knee with his cane and then Lashley just works on the knee until the ref ends it. So Goldberg loses by via ref stoppage. He didn't tap out. He didn't submit. He kept trying to get up. He just couldn't stand. Um, I just, this match was was sloppy. It was awful. The crowd hated it. I mean, the 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 no Goldberg chance really for his entrance. The crowd was clearly booing. I Lashley was the face by default. Um, and it was I thought it was terrible. And then you get into as he's beating up Goldberg, Goldberg's son, Sunberg or whatever his name is, jumps Gage. over. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Gageberg. Gageberg jumps Gageberg, up. Yeah. And uh, Bobby Lashley turns around, throws him in the hurt lock. MVP breaks it up when he realizes what's happening. Now, I did like where MVP gets on the microphone and uh, oh, no liability. Uh, you know, uh, Lashley, Lashley couldn't have known who that was because Gage is what I think they said he's like legitimately 15. Yeah. You know, so yeah, you just assaulted a minor. But uh, the biggest beef I have with this match, other than being sloppy and the fact that Goldberg looked terrible. Uh, is the ending was not definitive, which means this feud is not over. Now, Goldberg apparently is only contracted two matches a year, and this was number two. So maybe we don't see him for a while, but there is a Saudi Arabia show coming up, and you know Goldberg loves that Saudi money. Uh, so, I don't know. It's, it's a D, maybe. This yeah, match is terrible. It, this was another half-star match. Uh, you know, my issues were... and. Uh, Goldberg actually botched a body slam on Lashley as well early in the match. I mean, you could tell he was really struggling to get him up. Yeah. Um, you know, and that and that sl- that press slam, that could have been dangerous. I I kind of winced when I saw it. Like, man, that 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 didn't look the way it was supposed to. Um, I just thought, and, and like you said, totally inconclusive. So you know that they're going to go again. So maybe he wrestled the second match. Maybe he's got like a a time and a half clause. You know, for over for in his time stuff, so he you know gets double pay and a half or something like that. I, I just I also thought I just think bringing a 15 year old kid in, into this thing, I just think I think it's in bad taste. I mean, I get it. You know, as far as like that's Goldberg's. You know, that's his 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 motivation to get even with Lashley because you you hear him screaming, "I'll kill you" or "I'm going to yeah. kill you" at the end. So obviously, that's like that's the the the, the motivation, but. I don't know. I think that's kind of a line you don't you don't want to bring a fifteen year old kid. I mean, it's okay to have the kid maybe in a storyline, but don't get him in the ring. And you know, I just, right. I just kind of have a problem with that. Yeah, and, and of course my my beef, other than 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 that, my my issue, and I made a note of it here is storylines in wrestling. While they might be throw a curveball, they tend to in the end of the day make sense. And Bobby Lashley just put his hands on a fifteen year old boy. The only way this storyline concludes logically is if at some point Goldberg come back, comes back and beats him. Right. You don't have Goldberg come back for, I'm going to get you because you hurt my boy and lose. Goldberg wins that match. That's the only way that storyline really makes sense. Whether right. Lashley's champion at the time when that happens, I don't know. But I, 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 it really seems like they're laying the foundation for Goldberg to come back and get even. So we'll see. I, I disagree with that. This should have been a one-off. I think. I, I don't know why yeah. you want to, you know, protract something this bad. Exactly. And I mean, they. Well, and look at the bright side, though. The next match they have, I don't, I don't see it being much worse. But uh, from from bad to much better, the the main event, and we called it. We knew it'd be the main event. Uh, Universal Championship match. Roman Reigns defends against John Cena. Now this match. For what it was, and I, and I I mean this as a compliment, this was a greatest hits match. This was John Cena and Roman Reigns hit checking every box in their in their repertoire and doing every major spot they needed. The uh, kicking out of the moves, catching the spear, five knuckle shuffle, uh, AA the the AA into a DDT, which I thought was a great moment. 
uh, Cena playing the trying to go for like the small packages and the quick roll ups because all he needed was that three count. Um, the Reigns doing the hold, the sleeper and the holds. Uh, I just, I mean, I and then Cena getting the STF and and Reigns getting to the ropes, and then spot, 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 rest, spot, rest, spot, rest, spot. Those matches usually are rough. These two just told a phenomenal story. The crowd ate up every second of it. 100% on board. They 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 love John Cena. They respect Roman Reigns for what he is. Obviously, and you and I both called it, only one um, uh, one logical way for this to go, and that was a good match. We Neither of us, I mean, granted, we disagreed on the finish. You you picked Cena for this one. But um, we 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 said this, this we knew both knew this was going to be a good match. And obviously, we both knew it was going to be better than the other title match on the card. Um, but... Uh, good back and forth exchange. Roman Reigns gets the dominance. Uh, he hit what two or three Superman's punches and a spear. Uh, one, two, three. Legs. Uh, that was like you 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 said before with the show that it was a passing of the torch moment. Uh, I give this match. I, I was somewhere between teetering between a B plus and an A minus. I'm kind of leaning towards the A just because of how hot the crowd was for it. Uh, but yeah, what are you? What are your thoughts on the final match of the night, Benny? Uh, three and three quarters stars. I and uh, my note here is uh, John Cena has been going to the same tanning salon as Sheamus. He looked a bit pale there. Uh, I I thought the match was exactly twenty three minutes from bell to bell. I thought they did a, it. It was a great backstory, many years in the making, and I think they did a good job. And maybe they really don't like each other. I I felt like they didn't really like each other. I mean, really didn't like each other. Uh, the match definitely had a huge, big fight feel to it. Yeah. I mean, you thought, like, this is a clash of two, you know, that I don't disagree with, you know, the, I don't agree with, the you know, the greatest of his time and the greatest ever. I mean, to me, Bruno's always going to be the greatest ever. But I get where they're coming from, you know, revisionist history. Right. Um, and there were several spots in the match, at least from my perspective, where I really thought Cena was going to win. And, you know, in, in the last year that Roman's had the title, I mean, how many times can you really say that? Because he's pretty, you know, he's pretty much been dominant the entire time. So yeah, the, I think there was a couple of spots there where they're like, he's got him, and uh, you know, I, I, like you said, you know, the, the Roman at the very end, right before I, he he speared him, I think he just said, "I am, I'm WWE." I think there was something symbolic in that. And yeah. Just you know, I, I much as I to my chagrin that John lost, and you know, Baron didn't cash in the briefcase. Now he's got to wear that mustard stained shirt a little bit longer, but um, it it was the way to go. I mean, and then you know my my thought was, well, now what next for Roman? But we got that answered pretty quickly, I guess. Yeah, we did. And um, before we get to that moment, uh, the news obviously John Cena being the social media darling that he is, he has a very busy schedule, so he's done for the foreseeable future maybe he'll pop in for a cameo at mania but i wouldn't expect to see him i'd be shocked if he comes back within the next year but so roman didn't he cena can ride off into the sunset i think a time will come when he wins the 17th title and breaks flair's streak uh, yeah. or breaks 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 bleh, let me try that sentence again breaks flair's unofficial record but it was not tonight and like you said we now know where the next match is going because as Roman was celebrating in the ring, the drum beat, the high, the, 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 the sounds come out. Brock Lesnar, his music hits. Brock Lesnar comes out uh, looking very different. He's dressed like Dean Ambrose. He's got the uh, with the black shirt and the jeans. He's got a full beard. Uh, I, I honestly don't know what that hairstyle he has is called. The man bun with the little ponytail. Um, but he comes out. Paul Heyman, who is the best in the business by far for facial expressions and promo, just sells like he's seen 18 different ghosts and devils at the same time. Uh, the He and Roman kind of roll out of Dodge. Lesnar poses in the ring, stare down, and yeah, certainly, certainly seems like they have the next big moment. But the question is, and I want your thoughts on this one as we, as we wrap up tonight, does this match happen at the next pay-per-view or do they hang on until October and have this match in Saudi Arabia? I, Where, I, oh, I'm I, sorry. Yeah. I, I, I think so. I'm saying Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I, I agree. Especially given the last time they were in Saudi Arabia, correct me if I'm wrong. That was the moment when 
Le- uh, Reigns speared Lesnar through the cage, and they declared Lesnar the winner, even though he was on top of the cage and his feet never touched the floor. Right. I don't know. I don't know if that was supposed to happen or if it was a botch. Uh, I, they, I, I think it was a botch. Yeah, but they did stuff. a great job rolling it into the storyline. Well, it's right. no different than than the, uh, the 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 Royal Rumble finish where the Rock and the Big Show, where the Rock's feet clearly both touched the floor, and they had to incorporate that storyline with the Big Show wanting his 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 win because they kind of botched that ending. Or at least that's what it looked. Um, but yeah, so I mean, they have unfinished business in Saudi Arabia. So I agree with you on that one. Um, uh, be interesting to see. However, I, I'm curious, and I'll get your your final thought on this one too. What do you do as far as the heel face dynamic? Do you make it as obvious as Paul Heyman turning on Roman Reigns to side with Lesnar? Is Brock Lesnar the mouthpieceless face in this feud, or do you turn Roman face? And head of the table, the family, try and be a face faction. I, I don't think you can mess with success. You gotta leave Paul, Paul Heyman, and Roman together, and you know leave that same dynamic. Well, it, it's worked well. It's, it's. I mean, he's been like you said, he's been the best book champion in a long, long time. I don't think you want to jack with that. Uh, at the same time, you cannot have Brock Lesnar as a baby face without a mouthpiece. So that's that's the one. I mean, maybe I don't know who they bring in to you know to to be his you know his face manager. I, but I don't see it working without that though. Do you? No, not at all. I think maybe you do, kind of like they did with the Punk Lesnar or with uh, Punk and Curtis Axel, have Paul Heyman kind of manage both. But I don't know. Do you do you main event a pay per view with a heel versus heel title match? No. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm kind of and, and unlike some of the other moments we talked about tonight, I'm really excited to see where this goes because there's so many different ways it could happen. And I really hope they keep Roman heel head of the table and figure out something with Lesnar. But, yeah, I agree. I think Saudi Arabia October is headlined with this title match. Agree. What is a heck of a show? Um for what it was, I definitely had some thumbs downs. I had a lot of thumbs up. I I say overall, the show was maybe a B. I've seen better SummerSlams. I've seen a lot worse pay-per-views, but it certainly did what it needed to do. You had some huge moments. The crowd went nuts. So in the span of only a few days, you had CM Punk debut on AEW. You had Becky Lynch and Brock Lesnar return to the WWE and some some moments with uh, building up what could amount to long term feuds going into the end of the year. So, uh, final thoughts for the night, Benny. Well, you know, like we said, I mean, people are talking about wrestling, and that's never a bad thing, even if they're arguing about it. I mean, the fact that it, it's relevant, and you know, between the United Center in Chicago and Allegiant in Las Vegas, you had I think about sixty six thousand people. At, at these live events, just these two events, you know, p- buying tickets to a wrestling event, that's that's that can't be a bad thing. No, not in the slightest. When you can put 50, 30, 40, 50, 60,000 people for a wrestling match, and, and in some cases, an, enti- an event that's, I mean, this is back to the Bruno days, th- these events are maybe, ha- like, let's be honest, that, that match in, that, that event in Chicago 75% of the people in that building were there for one reason, yeah. one person. And and now you're going to be able to sell tickets to a big show with for one match. Lesnar reigns part was it part four. Um, and I, I like seeing that. And like you said, I mean, you can't you can't complain when several of the biggest trending topics are wrestling and people are talking about it again. And maybe maybe numbers will start swinging back up. You still have. Uh, Fridays is a great time f- to be a wrestling fan. You got SmackDown followed by AEW's new Friday show. Uh, it will just a lot, a lot of good stuff coming up. So to the, to the future, as we say, right, Benny onwards and upwards, onwards and upwards. So for the BS express himself, Benny Scala, I'm Dan Spasciano. Have a good night, everyone. And as always happy wrestling. Good night, folks.